Ah, well, good morning, Church with the Red Door and family. Oh my gosh, good morning, Randy. Thank you for the intro. Uh, hey, listen, um, well, as you can see behind me, we're in my backyard. Well, okay, maybe we're not in my backyard. We're definitely not in my home today. We're definitely not in my living room. We're actually at Shields Day Garden, and I'm here today because it's to celebrate a very, very special day because today represents a very important moment in the life of Jesus. It was for him a point of no return. It was actually for the followers, for his followers. The next seven days are going to be the most jubilant and the most horrific for them for all these three years they've been following him. You see, Jesus is traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem. Does anybody know why Jesus is going to Jerusalem on this specific day today? Yeah, that's right. He's going to go celebrate Passover. Passover, as you know, is an annual celebration for any devout Jew. It's a celebration that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years since the days of Israel's captivity in Egypt. Listen, do you know why Passover is celebrated? Well, you know what happened, how it all began was there was this confrontation between the Pharaoh, okay, and and, 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 and the Egyptian gods and our God, Yahweh, all right? And this was the final step where God was showing his power and for the release of his people from 400 years of captivity. This is a very, very important day. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 12 right now. Just take a moment, open them up, you know, just flip all the way to the left, almost just one more book past Genesis. Exodus 12, and we're going to start at verse 21, because this is important to grasp here as we walk through this morning. You see, it says, Then Moses called for the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families, and slaughter the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood, which is in the basin, and apply some of that blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the doorpost, okay? And none of you, none of you should go outside the door of his house until morning. So once you do that, don't leave. Because he said, for the Lord is going to pass through to strike the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses and to strike you. And you shall keep this event as an ordinance for you and for your children forever. So when you enter the land which the Lord's going to give you, and just as he has promised, you shall keep this right. And the, this is important because he says, so when your children say to you, so what does this mean? What is this Passover all about? What's this right about? Then you're going to say to them, it's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord because he passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our homes, and the people bowed low, and they worshiped. You see, the angel of death passed over the houses. That's why it's called the Passover. That's right, you remember the story, it struck dead the firstborn of every house, every animal, every, any firstborn of any animal or, or, or human being was struck dead, that, were struck dead that day, except for those that had the blood put on a lentil. And it's been celebrated ever since, over 4,000 years. This is where, how do you think, this is where the church at the Red Door got its name. Yeah, this is where we got our name. So Passover is a big deal. 
And people from all over Israel were traveling to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate. Now, I mean, here's Jesus, a rabbi himself. He's also coming to celebrate. But see, all this Passover, it's going to be very different than any other Passover in history. So, okay, everyone, I want you to use a little imagination here. Just envision on this road that Jesus is walking. I mean, there are literally thousands of other pilgrims walking with him on this long and windy desert road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And just as a side note, Jesus is going to be walking through the Judean desert, which is the same desert where three years earlier he was alone for 40 days fasting. It was in this same desert where he was tempted by Satan himself to choose any other way than God's way, okay? You see, this road leads him to the town of Bethany, where his friends Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus live. And as he's traveling there, Jesus receives word that his close friend Lazarus is very sick and dying. Well, Lazarus, you probably know the story, but he dies before he gets there. And if you have your Bibles, again, flip to John, okay, chapter 11. And we're going to start in verse 17. So it says, so when Jesus came, he found that, well, he found Lazarus. He's already been in the tomb now. He's already dead. He's been in there for four days. Well, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 15 stadia away, which is a couple of miles. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console him about their brother. Well, so then Martha, when she heard that Jesus was, he's finally coming, he's finally coming into town, she went out to meet him. Okay, but Mary stayed in the house. And then Martha says, Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, but even now, whatever you ask, I'm sorry, I'm drying my eyes here. I don't know, there's something blooming, man, <laughs> out here. <laughs> so anyway, so if you see me dab my eyes, I, there's some allergy things hitting my eyes here today. But he told her, he goes, listen, whatever you ask of God, God, God will give you. And, and, and she says that to him, and Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. And Martha said to him, I know that he's going to rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me, well, they're never going to die. Do you believe this? He says to her. And she said, yes, yes, Lord. I've come to believe that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of God. And he, the, you are the one who comes into the world. From what we know, friends, Mary and Martha had given up everything to follow Jesus. And their only real source of provision was their brother. And now he's dead. You know, and in this culture, they are quite literally, and believe me, they're on their own. So are you visualizing what's happening? There's thousands of people taking this shortcut, okay? They're heading in. They're, they're heading in, in, into Jerusalem. They're going through Bethany as a shortcut. They see over here all this mourning going on around the tombs. And there's this huge crowd gathered around Jesus. And then all of a sudden, a zombie-like person starts walking out of the grave, okay? It's an incredible moment, okay? It's an incredible moment. Can you imagine he's all wrapped up in his grave clothes and he's just wandering out, walking out, okay? And thousands of people are going by, okay? And man, they, they see this and they just can't imagine. They're just like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. So I got thousands of people have seen or they heard about this event because people are talking about it as they're heading into town. This is all before Jesus even gets to Jerusalem. So his journey now takes him to the top of the Mount of Olives. And down below, oh man, 
and clear view is the temple. I mean, you can see all around the city, all around the city of Jerusalem from up there. I mean, some of you who have been to Jerusalem, you know, we were there a couple of years ago. Uh, boy, when you're coming down that Mount of Olives there and you look out, you can, I mean, you can see the whole city. It's just beautiful. Well, back then, as they're coming into town and Jesus is coming in, there's encampments and tents and people are kind of like tailgating, you know, kind of all around the city. Because, hey, the city of Jerusalem, I mean, typically, typically only has about 50,000 people. Uh, but now, you know, but now it's, it's tourist time. It's kind of like here in the desert, right? It's tourist time. You know, Passover historians have recorded that the city probably went up to like 110 to 120,000 people, almost double. Kind of like the desert going from 300,000 to 600,000 in season, right? So the, but the, so the city can't hold them all. So these people are packed all around the city, man. They're camped out everywhere, out all the hills and everything, all through the Kidron Valley. Well, the day that Jesus chose to make his entry into Jerusalem is very, very important. And the way he chose to make his entrance is also very, very important. You see, this is why, number one, I, today I had chosen to be in front of this statue here that we're in front of today. You see, Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives from the east side of the city. And, and in every messianic prophecy, it speaks of the king, the chosen one, entering in from the east. Any devout Jew would always have one eye kind of just fixed, okay? Fixed to the east, especially at holy days like this, especially like this, especially at Passover, just in case the Messiah is gonna make his entrance. Well, guess what? Here comes Jesus coming into Jerusalem. We call it Palm Sunday. But that was not what it was called back then. Do you know it was actually called Lamb Selection Day? Yeah, it was Lamb Selection Day. It was part of, part of the Passover celebration where you would go and choose the lamb that your family would offer as a sacrifice for their sins at the end of the week. So, you would choose an unblemished lamb as it states in Exodus 12, 5, for the sacrifice for your family's sins, okay? You would go and you would choose this unblemished lamb, okay? And you would take it. I mean, this is... You would take this lamb and you would take it to the priests and they would take this innocent lamb and they would lay it on a, on a slab of stone, an altar. And then they would take a knife and they would tie up this little lamb and they would slice its throat and then they would catch the blood as it would drain out of it and they would offer this lamb and that for the sacrifice for your family's sins. I mean, I mean, think about this. Here's, this is where the whole Jesus talking about him being the lamb and the innocent and unbelievable. I mean, listen, this is where something innocent that does absolutely did nothing. This lamb done nothing to anyone. Just this innocent, cute little lamb. And now you're taking it and, and here it's shaken and nervous and it's spilling of its blood, spilling of innocent blood. Friends, let me just tell you a little side note here. You know, God hates sin so badly because of what it does to all of us. So why do you think Jesus chose Lamb Selection Day <laughs> to make his entrance into the city of Jerusalem? Why do you think he chose? Do you remember what his cousin John the Baptist said after Jesus, remember, came out of the desert after 40 days of fasting? Remember what he said? John saw him coming and he said, Behold, it's the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world.
powerful, right? Powerful. So here you have all these people in town looking around or hearing all this praise up on the Mount of Olives. People are going, what's all that noise, you know? And many of the people start running towards Jesus coming down the side of the hill. And, you know, people are yelling, the king's come to save us. As a matter of fact, and uh, turn to Luke 19 right now. Turn to Luke 19. We're going to start in verse 29. It said, now they're talking about Jesus. When he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the mountain, okay, this is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples first off saying, I want you to go into the village ahead of you. And there as you enter, you're going to find a colt tied up in which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Well, and they said, well, uh, what if anyone asks you, uh, why are you untying it? And well, you're just going to tell them. The Lord has a need for it. So those who were, so those that he sent went and they left and they found it just like he told them. And as they were untying the goat, the owner said, why are you untying the colt? Just like Jesus said he would say. And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought, brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And now as he was going, they were spreading their cloaks on the road. I mean, it was crazy. And as he, and as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, friends, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully. And with a loud voice, I mean, for all the miracles which they had seen, they were just shouting and shouting and waving palm branches. Blessed is the King, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're just shouting and shouting and shouting. John tells us in 12 that they took palm branches with them. And they were just going, waving them, you know, and just took the branches and went out to meet them. And they're all, John just said, just shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Imagine just seeing this happening right, like right here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Indeed, he's the king of Israel. Friends, this is an important moment here. Jesus has a choice here. You understand how we ever thought this. He knows exactly where this donkey's going to take him. It's taken him right into the city of Jerusalem, which is going to lead to his death. I mean, at any moment, he could stop. He could stop. He could turn around. Do you ever think about that? He could have stopped and turned around. He didn't. It's the point of no return. This is it. He knows where he's going. He knows where he's headed. This is it. It's the point of no return. People from all over the city, man, they're running up the hill. What's going on? You know, they're coming to see. You know, they're hearing all this noise, believing they're believing that the Messiah is here, their Savior from Roman occupation. And what they see is not what they expected. They see that Jesus is not on a horse of war. He's on a donkey. Okay? They expected a line of war. They expected their Messiah, their Savior, to be riding on a mighty war horse. Instead, he's on a donkey. So now the people are declaring that, and they're shouting, the people are declaring, he's their king, not Caesar. Blessed is this king who comes in the name of the Lord. And like I said, they're waving all these palm branches. And did you know palm branches were a symbol for the nation of Israel of their freedom and independence? I mean, even the Romans knew what these palm branches meant. So friends, I'm telling you, things are starting to get tense. I mean, even the Pharisees are beginning to freak out. They know exactly what's happening here, okay? The crowd is shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. I mean, please save us. Save us now. You know, that's what the word means, deliver us. Our king has come. 
That's what they're shouting. And the Pharisees, they're freaking out over this. So they run to Jesus. And this is what they said here in Luke 19, 39 and 40. And, and I said that some of the Pharisees in the corral says, to them, teacher, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus replied, I'll tell you, if these stop speaking, the stones will cry out. Wow. Jesus is saying something very important about all of creation, including you and me. You see, all through the Bible, it speaks of how creation, the wind, the waves, the grass, the stones, it all, everything recognizes its creator. So we have this sort of revolutionary parade. You do, making its way down into Jerusalem, fueled by stories people have heard, by the miracles that they have seen and by a desire for a Messiah they did, they've been waiting for. Luke 19, 41 tells us when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. Can I tell you, this is a moment everybody was waiting for. Worship, praising, singing, dancing, thousands of people. And in the middle of it, did you catch this? We see Jesus crying. The words that John uses in the gospel actually implies he was sobs. He was sobbing. Listen to what Jesus says now. He continues in verse 41. It said, when he approached Jerusalem and he saw it, the city, he wept over it, saying, if you had known of this day, even you, the conditions of peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. He said, for the days, day will come when your enemies will build up a barricade against you. And they're going to surround you. And they're going to hem you in on every side. This is Jesus crying, saying this. And they're going to level you to the ground. And they're going to throw you and, and, and down your children with, with, with you. And they will not leave you one stone on top of another because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. He's crying and weeping. Jesus was talking about the future. Forty years from now, when Rome would come, literally, and absolutely overtake the city of Jerusalem. Almost everyone in the city will either be killed or be taken into captivity and they will destroy the temple. The temple will be literally wiped off the face of the earth. Not one stone will be left on top of the other. You see, we see Jesus weeping for people who even in their worship and celebration, they really don't get it. He's not this king of might and power, although he is, okay, but he's coming to bring peace and love. It's not a battle cry, but a heart's cry. You're catching me? It's a heart's cry for people who miss the point. You see, so that begs the question of you and I. What do our lives say about the real Jesus? 2,000 years later, do we recognize him? If Jesus was right now to knock on your front door right now today, and he opened the door, would you recognize him? If he was sitting right next to you at a restaurant, now that we can go out and eat, if he was sitting right next to you at a restaurant, would you know it? How would you know him? Is he what maybe you've been looking for? Or could he be so much more? Would you recognize the real Jesus? Would I? I think we all like that picture of Jesus, you know, the one who forgives of our sins and he's really easy to follow. But what about the Jesus that says, take up your cross and follow me? 
What about the Jesus that says to each of us, our followers, abandon everything? What about the Jesus that says the last will actually be first? Do we recognize that Jesus? Do we recognize the Jesus who comes to us as a Mother Teresa who said, in the distressing disguise of the poor, the sick, and the overlooked? Do you recognize that Jesus? Friends, do you recognize the Jesus who doesn't work like the genie in the bottle and it just doesn't give you or me all the wishes that we want? You see, it's easy to recognize Jesus when things are going great, right? I mean, it is. When everything is working out, everything's kind of good. But do you recognize Jesus when you're at the bottom or when it seems like there isn't any other answer? See, when all your circumstances and all your surroundings point you in every other direction, would you recognize him? And if you did, here's the question, would you follow him under such circumstances? I wonder. Well, in close, I would just like all of you, everyone who's listening right now, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and the best you can in your mind's eye, I want you to picture Jesus weeping. Can you see him weeping over his friend Lazarus and the loss and the pain in his life? Can you see Jesus weeping over a city and people who don't even recognize him? What do you think Jesus is weeping over in your life right now? What is it? Is he joining with you in some pain, a loss, maybe a disappointment or just a really tough reality of life right now? Could it be that Jesus is weeping over, maybe you just have a hard heart? Is he weeping over the parts of your life and my life where we just refuse to let him enter in? We, we want to be in charge. Is he weeping over a relationship or a pattern in your life where, well, you just refuse to let him in? You refuse to let him be king. You know, you're on the throne, not him. Friend, he weeps over those type of things, everything I just mentioned, and he wants nothing more than for you to open your heart to him. Just let him in. Can I encourage you, don't wait any longer. Take to Jesus all your cares. When he rode down that hill on Palm Sunday so many thousands of years ago, he was thinking of you and he was thinking of me. That's why he did it. He was thinking of you and he was thinking of me. Those tears, everything he shared, they were for you and me. So just close with me in prayer here. And so, Father, oh, we thank you so much for what your son Jesus did for each and every one of us. We thank you for what this day represents. Palm Sunday, Lamb Selection Day, the day that our Lord, oh, was a point of no return. He rode down into Jerusalem to be that sacrificial lamb for all of us so that we would no longer have to go through this life alone, by ourselves, without comfort, without someone to encourage us. He's there. All we have to do is ask him into our lives, to touch our hearts, to bring him in, let his spirit work in and through us and through those that he brings around into our lives. So, Father, for those out there today right now who have not yet accepted Jesus, uh, those of you who are there just thinking, boy, I, I, I need Jesus into my life right now. It's simple. Just simply say, you know, Jesus, for the best I know, uh, you know, I, I want what Pastor Paul has been talking about. I'm tired of doing this by myself. 
I got so many struggles and hurts and pains. I don't know how to deal with it. Please come into my life for the best that I know how. Please forgive me of my past and my sins. And for those of us who maybe have just drifted away, for those of us who are maybe just get, get uh, set aside with all the stuff that's going on it, all around us here right now, this is our opportunity to go, Jesus, Jesus, come into my life again. Just re let my spirit, I want to re-engage, Father. Thank you for you continuing to come down that hill that day to be my Messiah, to be my Savior and to help me walk this world that I'm in and to realize that you have given me a purpose and a plan in this life, a life of fulfillment and joy in following you. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen, God bless you.